Hi, everyone, and welcome to In the Red Zone, the NFL podcast. It's part of the Total Sports 24-7 Network. This is Chris Hayes, the host and producer for this podcast and all podcasts across the Total Sports 24-7 Network. You'll be able to find this episode and all archived episodes of In the Red Zone, plus all our other podcasts on our website. It's totalsports247.podbean.com. You can find me on X at totalsports underscore 247. You can subscribe to my newsletter. It's weekinweekout.substack.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Apple or iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, wherever it is that you listen. We are likely there. Search Total Sports 247. We will come right up. Hit that subscribe button. Please rate, review, and subscribe again. Leave a review. That helps the algorithm and it helps boost us up in searches for the podcast. So any assistance that we can get with promotion of the podcast, we would very much appreciate. It's the division round this weekend for the NFL. We had to have our favorite guest back on the podcast. Fred Dinger 2-3 is here. Coming off a pretty decent weekend last weekend for our picks. How are you feeling about this weekend? Greg Caspiano slash Fred Dinger 23onX. This one looks a little tougher um, on the onset here, uh, but it is one of the uh, another great weekend in sports. You have yeah, four games, right? Eight, eight, arguably the eight best teams in the NFL playing, and uh, looking forward to it. I, last week, right? Well, successful five and three brings yeah. my brings my in the red zone record to 17 and 12. So I will take that. It's right. A little bit below 60%. A little below 60%. We'd like to get north of there. And uh, we're going to do that this weekend. We were eight and three. I was shocked. And one of one of the ones that hit was that Khalil Shakir touchdown prop. That was a crazy individual effort by Shakir to get into the end zone. And one thing I want to bring up about that before we get into the games this week. So on the podcast, that bet, I believe, was either 280 or 285 on Shakir. Always be sure to shop around at all the other books. I got that at plus 380 on FanDuel Day of. So that's just a word to the wise that books don't often deviate too much from each other on things like spreads and totals. But... Bets that are of a lower volume, you will oftentimes see more variance. So on things like anytime touchdown scores or bets that aren't just drawing the, the, the bets themselves, they're not drawing the money, they're not drawing the volume, you'll see much more variance. So definitely shop around for odds that you like for those plays that are you know of the alternative variety. So overall, we were 13 and six. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good uh, plus in units as well if you're hitting an anytime touchdown. Yes, yes. And speaking of, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. I typically don't talk about units, but with some of the plays today that I have on my board, I am going to talk about that because some of them are, <laughs> I don't want to say a little out there, but they're not as safe, say, as. Uh, some of the bets that you've heard from the pod in other weeks. So we ready to get started, Craig? Ready to roll. 
Awesome. All right. So the first game then for this weekend, this is at 435 tomorrow. This is the four seed Houston Texans at the one seed Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to frame the conversation per usual with DraftKings odds. But if we have better odds at better books that we are familiar with, we will mention that as we're making our recommendations. And again, be sure to shop around when you are looking for your best bets. Current odds are Baltimore's favorite nine and a half with the total at 43 and a half at minus 108. Money line odds are Houston plus 330. Baltimore's at minus 425. So Craig, do you have a play on either the spread or the total on this one? And if so, let's hear it. If not, you can go right into your props. So I don't have a pure gameplay. I was looking and doing my research and it started taking me to the over. Mm-hmm. The Ravens averaged 31.9 points per game at home. Houston averaged 19.5 points per game on the road. However, I am more confident in the Ravens scoring and hitting their points. So I mm-hmm. looked at and I'm taking the Ravens team total points over 27.5. And you're getting plus money at DraftKings plus 105. So let's hear it. Why why do you like the over just for the Ravens rather than the team or rather than the total on the game? I think they're going to have uh, success against the Houston defense. I heard something, I believe it was on ESPN today, that the Baltimore offense and or the ball. The Baltimore defense and the San Francisco defense are similarly structured. And okay. I like the success that Baltimore had. Um, I'm sorry. I'm the Miami. Did I say Baltimore a few times? You did. I want to correct yeah. Myself. Yeah. The Miami defense. Take two. <laughs> take two. The Miami defense and the San Francisco defense. And yeah. Baltimore's success against both of those clubs um, was very good. And I do, they like I said, they've been very successful at home. They have been very successful at home. So your play then is Ravens team total over 27 and a half at plus 105 on DraftKings. Did you have a prop bet for this one? I do have a prop bet. Um, That is Isaiah Likely over 34 and a half receiving yards. And that was on FanDuel um, at minus 114. Mm Mm-hmm. So he he's hit that in five out of six games. That's Mm. after Andrews has gone down. Mm Mm-hmm. Andrews is out again. Um, Houston is ranked 31st against the tight end position. There you go. And it's so it's another another number to look at. It's also 37 and a half at uh, all the other books that I have access to. So Oh, interesting. Okay. I I took the 34 and a half on FanDuel like you mentioned shopping around and I'm going to go with that number and like the over here for likely so I have a prop play as well. It's a little bit more on the it's 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 on the riskier side. So I'll get to that in a minute. The gameplay I like on this is Houston plus nine and a half. I think that Lamar has a oh, I don't think he does. He does have a checkered history when he has time off. The, he has a checkered history when he is a favorite. And he has a checkered history when he is a long favorite, over seven points, right? So Lamar's struggles in the playoffs is something that's concerning to me, number one. Number two, 
this game is supposed to be cold and windy. And so I don't know that I like the over as much. I think this opened at 45 and a half and it's ticked down to 43 and a half. I kind of like the over 43 and a half and the under 45. It's like weird. I could picture like a 24 to 21 kind of game or 24 to 20. I think Baltimore is going to run a lot. I think if it is windy, like they're saying it's going to be, that will limit Houston's down the field ability like we saw in a controlled environment in Dallas. So I think that'll keep their points down as well. And I think this is just going to be not not as up and down as you might think. I think Houston's um, ability to score might be somewhat limited, but I also think the Baltimore's will be as well. So that tells me that this spread is going to be tighter than you might think. You know, they played in week one and the spread was pretty much the same. It was like nine, nine and a half. And Houston is so much better. I mean, the expectations, like you mentioned last week for Houston coming into the year were what a last place finish in the division. And now they're in the division playoffs. So I think that Houston maybe is still being a little bit undervalued in the market. So I like Houston plus nine and a half. I think that they will be able to run the ball somewhat. I I think the line is just too big and I don't trust Lamar. Um, What I do think is interesting, though, is the acquisition of Dalvin Cook by Baltimore. We know that Todd Munkin likes to have a variety and versatility, especially in his backfield. We saw that they acquired Cook because they cut Melvin Gordon, who (laughs) Melvin Gordon, man, like talk about someone who's fallen for. Do you remember him a few years ago? Like he was so dynamic, so fun, breaking tackles, and now he just can't hold on to the ball. And it's been a year, you know, years long issue with Melvin Gordon where he just fumbled all the time and he fumbled again. He loses the position to cook. Now, of course, they're going to go Gus Edwards is their main guy, right? But he only, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he carried the ball under 200 times in the year. So we know that. They're going to go with Lamar in the backfield. We know they're going to go with Hill in the backfield. But I feel like there's just a little bit of a an opportunity for Cook potentially to get a touchdown. So I'm going with maybe like a half unit play here on anytime touchdown for Dalvin Cook at plus 700. I think this game is going to be closer. But if if the game gets away from Houston then Baltimore, you may see more of their uh, secondary playmakers getting touches and looks. And I don't discount the possibility that that is a possibility. So we're going to go with a half unit on Delvin Cook plus 700. Okay. I like the risk. Any other uh, feedback, comments, questions, et cetera, on this game? Any Anything to add before we move to game two? No, I think just that the other player that I was looking at is Zay Flowers. So he's someone uh-huh. keep, for me, I'm keeping an eye on him. It's 47 and a half on FanDuel and everywhere else, 49 and a half. So I do think that with, you know, likely gets his touches and maybe Zay Flowers with Andrews out gets a little, a few more targets and it's price. He might be priced right now that Andrews was playing. Yeah. So something to look at that, like all of these Currently, as we stand on a Friday afternoon, these guys could all be priced that Mark Andrews was going to be back and playing, mm-hmm. and he's not. And if he's back and playing, like, 
at you know, 80% or 80 to 100%, like getting his volume, his regular, well, close to his regular volume, pricing it in in that way, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. Okay, second game tomorrow is the upstart Green Bay Packers, seven seed at San Francisco. Current odds are San Francisco minus nine and a half at minus 112 on DraftKings. Totals at 50 and a half slightly to the over at minus 112 money line is Packers 350 San Fran is minus 455 on the money line so what are your thoughts on second game for tomorrow night I do not have a game play on this one I again a big spread Uh, I think the Packers are they're playing with house money. I'll quote a good friend yeah. of ours. Mm-hmm. And they they could come out again just letting Jordan Love sling the ball. And I, I just think that it, it could be a close game. I, but I also think that that could lead to to turnovers and San Fran could run away. Yeah. So I just – I don't have – I did not have a game play. I don't have a strong feel. Um, it could – I think it's going to be closer than the nine and a half but no money on that. And so my prop play is going to be Debo Samuel. Okay. And I like over 59 and a half receiving yards. That's on FanDuel at minus 114. So my, my, my thought process and the, the info that I was looking at there is the Packers secondary. Um, Aside from Jair Alexander, who is banged up. Yeah. So I think he plays, but I don't know. They're saying now it's a shoulder and an ankle, so okay. I don't I don't know how productive he'll be, and I think he'll he would be he's an outside cover corner, so he'd be on Ayuk, and I do believe that Debo is going to get some touches and get some touches over the middle, and potential to break a few here. So I I like I like him in this game, again along with the earlier thought with likely and Flowers, I also looked at Kittle, yeah, and maybe someone who I take later. And then anytime Tutty. That's a good point about how they use Debo versus Ayuk and, and how that matches up with the Green Bay secondary. Because as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, what is that like? What who is Alexander going to cover? Right. And it's not that that's how San Fran exploits matchups, right? Because they move Debo around so much. It's it's really challenging to have just one say your star corner, like cover him because they just line him up in so many different spots. You, It's very challenging for a defense to assign somebody to Samuel just because of the design of San Francisco's offense. You, you really can't. There's well, there's there's four studs on that offense. Too. Mm-hmm. So you got to pick your poison. Yeah. And if your best defender cover defender is outside, who's also hurt. So mm-hmm. what if another guy if I don't know the Green Bay secondary all that well, right? But if another and at slot corner co- has to go and cover Ayuk outside, then who's covering the slot? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's just my my thought process uh, on the game. And and Debo tends to get his targets because there are so many studs on this San Francisco offense, and because they've had the time off. I'm laying the nine and a half with the Niners. I I think. Uh, both teams will score points, so I also like the over in this one at 50 and a half. Uh, Green Bay, 
of course, Love has been ridiculous second half of the season and against Dallas. That offensive line, I think, is not getting enough credit for how they're protecting Love in the second half of the season. I think Aaron Jones healthy clearly is such added value for having Green Bay be multidimensional, right? We saw how successful he was last week, and and he, uh, uh, without A.J. Dillon, right, he's become, like, really a number one. So I think that Green Bay will be able to score, you know, somewhere in the range of 20 to 24 points, but I think San Francisco gets up into the 30s, and I think this game could go, you know, at least a touchdown over this 50 and a half total. I also think that San Fran's offense is just going to be just nonstop foot on the gas. And I don't know that Green Bay's defense has any answer for it. A lot of the reasons I think that is because of what you said, right? And, you know, they're a depleted secondary and they're bad against the pass anyway. And the, the way that San Francisco schemes offensively is second to none in the NFL. Um, I think this is just a mismatch, and I think San Francisco is fortunate to be in this position to get a Green Bay team that may be coming off such an important victory for a young team. I don't know that they're ready to face the gauntlet that is the 49ers, so we are going with that play, um, the Niners minus five, nine and a half and also the over 50 and a half. The prop that I have is also a half unit risk, and... This is a play that is related to Christian McCaffrey's health, right? It, we we know that the extra week has done him well. Um, we know that when Elijah Mitchell played in the last two weeks with McCaffrey out, he scored. Um, I can imagine that Mitchell could get somewhere in the range of eight to 10 touches in this game. And if so, we're going to go with his anytime touchdown prop. Again, another half unit play at plus 475 over on DraftKings, especially we like this play similarly to the Ravens Texans. If San Fran runs away with it, it could see McCaffrey like not even playing in the fourth quarter. And if that's the case, seeing Mitchell get some volume in the fourth quarter and potentially punching it in. So that's the play we like again, a smaller sort of half unit play on Elijah Mitchell at plus 475. And he's someone who was dealing with his own injuries throughout the year. He hasn't been as successful as he was say like two years ago but um, I still like him I, I think he is one of the better backup backs in the league and I, I think there's potential for this play if the game goes sideways the, well the last time we saw McCaffrey too is was the calf injury mm-hmm. he didn't play the following week and the rest is is definitely going to be helpful but we don't we don't know how much how much volume he can handle and how right. you know how healthy he is. So it's a it's a great point. And even in the goal line set, if Mitchell is back and he's their guy, you could see him get important goal line carries even if the game's close. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move to the Sunday games. First game on Sunday. This is at three oh five. This line is moving. It's Tampa and Detroit. Right now on DraftKings, Detroit is favored by six, and it's at minus 115. The total is at 49 and a half, slightly favored to the under at minus 112. Tampa money line is plus 225, intriguing, and Detroit money line is minus 278. So this one is another 
I think, hard to figure out game. What did you end up doing with this one? So I, I, I agree that it was hard at the beginning. And then the more I looked into it and thought about it, I'm taking the Lions minus six. And that's on DraftKings. It's minus 118. So you have to pay for that. It's actually yeah. minus 115. It fell again. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> yeah. So the money's coming in on, yes. on Tampa Bay. Still. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just think that, that there is a huge home field advantage here. And they've only lost twice there. They lost yeah. in week two after a you know a big win right out of the gate against a letdown city. Yeah. And then they lost to the upstart Packers, who that's if you were gonna put a stake in the ground, that's what started the Packers turning around their season on Thanksgiving. But those are the only two times they've lost there. They averaged 30 a game at home. I think that Tampa Bay is going to bring pressure, which could also hurt them a lot if there's big plays out there for Goff and St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, Jamison Williams. And Tampa playing catch up on the road, I don't I don't like that situation for them. Yeah. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna take Detroit minus six and um I think it, it could turn into a, a two score t- kind of game. What do you think in terms of Tampa and their ability to put up points in this game against Detroit, especially on a, you know, a controlled environment, a turf. Yeah, I think they can. I don't, I mean, not to mention another part of my thought process is the short week here too, right? I don't think that Mm, that should be. Good point. Yes. I don't think it should be overlooked. Um, We did mention last week, you know, both teams beating Philly, that Philly team isn't a huge, isn't a big achievement. No. That wasn't the same Philly team that we saw halfway through the season. Um, and so, and I know we do know that Tampa's a little banged up too. So I, I think that they're, they're, they're capable of keeping up, but I think they'd rather control it with, with uh, white on the ground and, and try, try to hit a few big plays. And if Detroit does take out Mike Evans, then who else will they go to, to, there are a couple other receivers that have been getting some targets that are explosive, but will they go there soon enough to find those mismatches? Cause yeah, the Detroit secondary can be had. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that Tampa's going to have to try to keep up with Detroit in this game in order to win the game. Like, I don't, I don't, this is, I, to me, this is, this game's going over as well, I think. At, and I, it's at 49 and a half. I think, I think Tampa is going to throw a lot in this game to try and take advantage of uh, matchups versus that Detroit secondary. They're not a good running team anyway. They're one of the bottom rushing teams in the league in terms of you know yards per game, but also just effectiveness when they run the ball. Rashad White will still get his touches. They have to in order to keep defense, you know, keep that Detroit defense honest. But at the same time, I. Uh, I think this game's going over. I think Detroit's going to, uh, with all the weapons that they have, I think they'll be able to um, confuse Tampa's defense and score maybe in a couple different ways. But I don't know. I could see, you know, six is better than like seven. Yeah, for sure. With Detroit. But I, I don't know that I'm like willing to go that far. I could see it being like, you know, 38, 35, to be honest. I think, yeah. I think the game's going way over. Um, 
The props that I like for this are Kate Otten over 30 and a half at plus 105. And I also like David Moore, who decided to show up last week against Philadelphia. Like his it's only 11 and a half yards. You know, if he could get one one catch and get that. And with Evans dropping a couple balls last week, who knows? Maybe he gets an extra look or two. That's at minus 110. So those are my two props. We didn't actually cover your props, did we, for this? We did not, but we have a similar prop. I have Kate Otten over 29 and a half, I found, and that was on FanDuel. 29 and a half. Right, minus 114. 29 and a half at minus 114. Okay. And it's for the reasons we discussed. They're going to have to throw. Their Detroit secondary is weak. If they focus on Evans, Otten and the rapport with Mayfield has been getting better throughout yes. the season. Yes. Yeah, it's a buy a little bit. You know, there's that bias there. He had a huge game last week, a lot of targets, but they're another team that's not ranked well against the tight end position. So mm-hmm. I look for him to be part of the game plan. And, you know, again, both of us think that this is gonna turn into a turn into a high scoring affair with Tampa trying to keep up. Yeah. That he's gonna have to thir- 29 and a half. That that should you know if he gets five or six targets, mm-hmm. I don't see that being an issue. And and also I, I mean I think if they get into this up and down affair with Detroit and they still try to run the ball, like I don't know how successful they'll be running the ball anyway. So they're going to be I think in third and medium and third and long situations a decent amount in this game. The ineffectiveness to run the ball and the fact that they have to pass in order to keep up combined makes me think that. There's just going to be a lot of volume for a whole host of Tampa receivers in this one. Agreed. Okay, there's one more game. It's it's the game. This is the one that everyone is waiting for. It's the Chiefs on the road for the first time. Did you know that, Craig, by the way, that Mahomes hasn't ever been on the road? Have you heard that, you know, a, a few times this week? Has anyone been talking about that? No, I've, I've not heard that. I did not know that he has not been on the road. That's crazy. It's crazy. You, you, it, it, it's such a, such a stat that, you know, that, you know, that no one has been talking about. It's, it's unbelievable. Maybe Brittany should take him out more often. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I see this at minus two and a half at minus 120 right now on DraftKings. The total is at 45 and a half. Bills on the money line are minus 148. Chiefs are plus 124. So where do you where are you at for the game of the weekend? I I'm excited to watch this game. I think that the these two teams know each other really well. Yes. They've played enough that they've seen everything that each team has to offer. So hopefully we're going to get some good coaching and some good uh, strategy mixed in here. Um, I think I'm on the under right now, 45 and a half. And that's a DK minus 110. It looked flat across the board. Everyone at 45 and a half right yeah. now. Okay. I'm on the under. I think because they know each other so well, because the Chiefs now grind out drives on offense and their D is playing exceptional that I think that that this game will go under. I also think Buffalo is going to be, we know Gabe Davis is out. Yes. And now we're hearing that Diggs has a bad foot. So what is he? He hasn't brought much to the table most of the year after the first maybe month and a half. So it's weird since almost since Brady has come, come on. It's weird because it seems like Buffalo's offense 
has just changed uh, schematically and also just taken on a different look and feel with Brady. And it's weird that it feels like it doesn't involve Diggs as much, right? It's, it's yeah, correct. Like almost that they, they're to a fault or to an extent they're trying to go away from him because that's all they were doing is yeah. going towards him. So they want to use, keep the defense guessing, use the other options and, there are other options there, and it's one of my props. Um, and the guy you mentioned um, for your anytime last week, Shakir, I do like his over mm-hmm. in receiving yards because I believe you know that the Chiefs are good against tight ends. So that's where do you Kincaid and Knox? Maybe they'd have a game, but they're good against them. I think Shakir is going to get more targets, especially yeah. if Diggs is in and out of the game, and yeah. Gabe's not playing. They've they've had a tendency to involve cook on certain drives and then he disappears other drives. Like they haven't fully bought into the, the cook experience. Like they, you know, you <laughs> saw against, against Dallas, he was everywhere. Yeah. He was involved the whole game, but it seems like they don't want to just make him their featured weapon. So no, when push comes to shove, they're going to put, the, they're going to keep the ball in Josh Allen's hands one correct. way or the other. They're not going to, when push comes to shove, they're not going to be like, let's get cook involved. They're just not. So I, to go back, I'm on the under of the game, 45 and a half. And yeah. I like Shakir over 32 and a half receiving yards. And that's on DK at minus 115. So I'm going with the Bills. Um, I think the Chiefs, <laughs> I mean, it took almost the whole season, but I do think they've kind of figured out what they are on offense. It's Pacheco, it's Kelsey, and it's Rice. Like those are the reliable players. Nobody else is reliable. No one. And not only are they not reliable, they're unreliable. Like that to me, there's a little bit of a difference where they they'll they're they're they will harm you rather than not hurt you. And so that that's good for Kansas City's offense, but Kelsey is not as explosive as he once was. And I just I don't know, I don't trust this offense. Um, I, I can find them being a little bit predictable because of their lack of weapons. I think Buffalo, yes, they are banged up, but I think they are um, healthier than they might look on paper. And I think they have more depth on their defense than people may realize. I think being at home is going to be a massive factor for the Bills. I'm not as concerned about the Chiefs going on the road. That's not the point. It's the Bills at home. That I really, really like, especially at night. Um, I think Allen's going to play well. And I I think that um Buffalo could put this away. I, I, I think they are that good. I think that the Chiefs have taken maybe a half step back from where they've been, especially on offense, though. And I think Buffalo's gonna find a way. I think they get it done at home, and I think they're gonna cover this two and a half. I like for a prop, a player that I bashed last week. I'm I'm not bashing him now. And I'm going to go with Dawson Knox at plus 500 as a half a unit because, and by the way, well, one, he scored last week, right? And I told you the reason I don't trust Dawson Knox because he dropped the ball all the time, right? You saw when they came out, I, I don't remember if it was the fourth quarter of their first drive or the third quarter, but there was a pass right to him in their first play and he dropped it, right? He... As Butterfingers, but 
Allen likes him in the red zone. He just does. And it's not as much this year with, you know, Kincaid being there, but in previous years, I mean, he was targeted so many times in, you know, last year, but even especially the year before. Got a touchdown last week. He's going to be in the game because he's a decent blocker too. He could be a decoy, you know, or, you know, they, they could scheme for him where they, you know, attention draw to Kincaid, attention drawn to Shakur, uh, Shakir, attention drawn to Diggs, attention drawn to Cook. Like he is, he's at best their fifth option down there and, or sixth with Allen rushing the ball. And I, I think they're going to, I like this play at <laughs> plus 500 for Dawson Knox if he manages to hold on to the ball. So let's review our picks. So for Houston and Baltimore, I'm on Houston plus nine and a half and a half unit sprinkle on Dalvin Cook. Anytime touchdown plus 700. I am on the Ravens team total points over 27 and a half. I'm liking that play more and more now that I think about it. I don't know. The wind thing still gets me, but I could see it definitely hitting. Green Bay, San Francisco. I'm on the oh, I have. I also oh. have likely, I apologize, over 34 oh, and a half receiving yards. I say likely yards. over 34 and a half receiving yards. Okay. 49ers minus nine and a half and the over 50 and a half is what I have in the Packers Niners. And I'm doing a half a unit on Elijah Mitchell anytime touchdown at plus 475. No gameplay for me. My prop is Debo Samuel over for 59 and a half receiving yards. For Tampa and Detroit, I'm on the over 49 and a half. And I like Kate Otten over 30 and a, oh, sorry. 29 and a half rushing yards is what you said, what you found there. Oh, sorry. Receiving yards at minus 114. Correct. Okay. I'm on that one and I'm on uh, David Moore over minus, sorry, over minus, over 11 and a half uh, receiving yards at minus 110. I am on the Lions minus six on DK at minus 118 and also on Kate Otten over 29 and a half receiving yards. And then lastly, Chiefs Bills. I'm on the Bills minus two and a half at minus 120 on DraftKings and a half unit on Dawson Knox anytime touchdown at plus 500. I am on the under 45 and a half for the game total. And I'm also going to sprinkle the Chiefs money line for a half unit. At plus 124? Is that what you have it? Or Yep. All right. Talk about this a little bit more. What, 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 why? Why, why, why are you going with plus 124 for the Chiefs? I'll start with Andy Reid. I like him. I like him better than McDermott. And I also like Patrick Mahomes over Josh Allen in this situation. I think Allen is a very good quarterback, but I think Mahomes will be smarter with the football. And I think their defense will scheme to stop Josh Allen on the ground and make mm-hmm. him throw the football. So I don't I don't know. I, I think Mahomes is more error prone than people might think as well. Like he's not Josh Allen error prone, but I think Mahomes can be vulnerable to making mistakes under pressure as well, especially when he's moving out of the pocket. So Yes, maybe there is a slight edge in decision-making to Mahomes, but I think the home field might neutralize that a little bit, and 
Um, I don't think Mahomes is immune from making mistakes. No, I, I don't think he is either, but I do think that I don't know that Allen has completely gone over, gotten over his poor mistakes. Yeah. I, I, you know, they luckily got out of that game in Miami with a win, even though he was still continuing to just running, running to the sideline, running out of bounds, throwing the ball and hoping Gabe Davis was in the end zone. Right. Mm -hmm. And things like that, where I think in a bigger game with more on the line, Mahomes will actually tuck it away and throw it away or run for two yards and get out of bounds. And Josh might try to do a little bit more. I just, I don't, I still, I think the chiefs are a little bit, they're not getting their due in this, in this spot. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So would you also then just, yes, you're going to go money line, but what do you think of like plus two and a half then at plus 100? You just, yeah, you like, just think I like, money no, line I like is the both better of those. I, I just think the more I thought about it, I wanted to take both. So I'm just going to, like I said, a half unit on the yeah. money line. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into our DFS situation from last week. We'll review, and then we'll get into our lineups. We set, we set, we entered the same contest on Fanduel, just like we did last week. Last week was pretty bad for a certain host of this podcast because we relied upon Dallas's receivers to produce, and they did not. So I lost the bet to Fred Dinger two three here with our. FanDuel competition, we'll have to think about what the consequences of that loss are. I think what we're going to do is when we have our, maybe when we have our fantasy baseball draft, there'll be a uh, a comeuppance at that draft. Some sort of, the, the payment will, will, will become due at that point. I like it. So we did the same thing this week. Nothing on the line for this. We can't just bet each other every single week, right? But we can still advise you, the listening audience, as to what we're doing in the DFS space as well. So I don't remember what we did last week, actually. Did we go position by position or did we go lineup by lineup? No, we went position by position. Okay. So let's do that then again for this week. Uh, as a reminder... The way FanDuel sets up their contest, it's a $60,000 budget and players are priced uh, accordingly. And you have to fill quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, a flex, and a defense. And defenses are typically fairly cheap relative to the rest of the field, you know, capping out usually around 4,500 to maybe a little higher than that depending on the contest, but usually in the range of 3,000 to 4,500 is where you'll find defenses. And then players, the highest are typically over $10,000 and they can go down to, you know, the range of maybe 4,500 would be the lowest end of a player you'd likely have in your lineup. So let's start with the quarterback. I have Brock Purdy at 7,800. I think He's going to get multiple touchdowns, like I said. I don't think, you know, this Green Bay secondary, we talked about it, and I, I think that uh, San Francisco might roll in this game. But either way, even if they don't, if they don't cover, I think they're going to still be able to put up points. And they they just know how to design an offense around what Purdy can do. And I, I think multiple touchdowns are in store for Brock Purdy. 
I think someone at least 250 yards, most likely. Um, I, I like Purdy a lot. And at 7,800, I will gladly scoop him up for my quarterback. Nice. I have, I have Lamar Jackson. He was the second highest priced quarterback, but I like his matchup. I know we, we kind of differ there on that opinion, but I yep. do think that this is a good matchup for him. He's been throwing the ball better this year, I believe with more weapons around him or more consistent weapons. And I, I like him this week against Houston. And there's also obviously the rushing of the running component to his game. That is great for fantasy purposes. You know, yep. like with, with Jackson and Allen, it feels like sometimes you're drafting two players in one. Yeah. You have both options there. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So at running back, I took McCaffrey at, I think he was the most expensive player of all at 10,800. And I also took James Cook at 6,800. So, you know, McCaffrey, I, I could see him easily going over 100 plus yards, rushing and receiving, maybe even up to 150, at least one touchdown, if not more. They have Trent Williams back on the offensive line as well. And they have been very successful this year running behind him, getting over five plus yards a carry. And they run behind him somewhere in the range of 60% of the time. So I think that with Williams back and healthy on that offensive line, that's just going to boost McCaffrey's numbers. I, I like him to go off in this game. And we've talked about James Cook. Yes, we don't, we agree in the sense that he's, you know, Allen's still the focal point of that Bills offense, but Cook clearly has become more of a focus with Brady taking over as OC. And uh, I think the running game is going to be very important in this game for both teams. And uh, we're going to go with Cook at 6,800 for our second running back. I am, I don't have similar backs. I have two different. I am on Jameer Gibbs mm -hmm. and I am on Justice Hill. And for similar reasons, uh, Gibbs being more of a, a focal point in the passing game. Yep. And if Tampa is going to bring pressure and bring their blitzes, I think there could be some screens available for him. He was $7,300. So yep. about the fourth or fifth ranked back out there this weekend. And then, Justice Hill was more of a value play with yeah. thinking it's Gus on the ground and Justice Hill for third downs or getting some full series. Um, he's only $5,300. And mm. according to FanDuel that Houston's ranked 26th against the position. So mm. I went with him and those are my two plays. Yeah. You know, I, I do like uh, the Ravens ability to run in this game um again that's that's a todd monken kind of offense he likes to use a whole host of different players and i think any of the ravens running backs could be i'm not as big on the receivers again but um the running backs i can definitely see so receivers going a little can, can, we have a trend here i've got debo samuel my third 49er in at 8300 so because i've gone so expensive in these first few plays i needed to find some value at other positions, we went with Jamison Williams at 5,300 for Detroit and David Moore at 4,700 for Tampa. We, you know, I, I don't want to say that Moore emerged in that game against Philadelphia, but at the very least, he showed that he can be a weapon when they went to him early in that game. And with Evans' struggles catching the ball, that doesn't mean that they're not going to go to Evans, you know, eight to 10 times. I still think they will. But again, I think that Tampa is going to have to throw a ton to keep up. Uh, 
And I think there's value in David Moore at 4,700. I also think that Detroit's going to throw a lot. And uh, Jameson Williams, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm still iffy on Laporta's health. I don't know. Like he's still, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to go, go to him as much offensively in that intermediate passing game. And um, I think that there's an opportunity for someone else on Detroit to take a step up in this game. And I think it could be Jameson Williams. He's not necessarily an intermediate threat, more of a long-term, you know, long down the field kind of player, but um, I like that value of 5,300. So again, Debo 8,300, Jameson Williams 5,300 and David Moore 4,700. Yeah. That being said, did you look at Trey Palmer at all? I did not. No, I, I, I saw that he was there and I saw that he was low, but um, Moore's the one I've had my eye on okay. in that Tampa offense. Yeah. I was just curious because he, they kind of fit the same mm-hmm. mold when the pricing and, and their opportunities. But I think you're right. Equally, both of them could break one. Um, so my three wide receivers, I, I kind of spent in this category the most. I have Evans at 7,600. I have Ayuk at 7,900. And I have Zay Flowers at seven, 7K even. So that's, those are, you know, I think all of them have good matchups. I, you know, I, I think what I'm seeing from both of us here, and you haven't finished, but neither one of us yet has a Buffalo Bill or a Kansas City Chief. We're leaning towards the games that we believe will be a little bit more high scoring, balance, you know, with you're stacking your offense, right? Yes. Basically with the 49ers. So, yes. And now I've added another 49er to the mix. So, you know, it, it trends and leads, it, you know, it trends with our conversation yeah. from earlier. So, and Evans, you know, I know they're going to try to take him out, but you know, in this type of this type of game, it it pays to to have a guy when he has when he has a top game and he has the ability to do that here. Again, the Lions secondary thirty second against the position. They're yeah, they're they've been been giving up big games to receivers all year. So that's where where I'm going. I talked a little bit about Zay earlier with um you know with Andrews out. So those those three of my receivers. Zay at seven thousand is pretty good. I feel like that's kind of low for him, like and you know relative to how other receivers are priced. Did you think that when you were looking, or was it more you liked Zay Flowers anyway, and whatever his price was, you figure it out after that? No, but worked out actually both both ways. I liked him, and he was cheaper. And you know, I think you know compared to the other two, he is roughly three points on average less per fantasy game, mm-hmm. but. But at 10.49, I will take that at 7,000. Yeah, yeah. So tight end, I have Kate Otten at 5,300. We've talked about him. He's emerging. I like his over total. And I mean, 5,300. Yeah, the tight end does tend to be a little bit less expensive in FanDuel relative to receiver and running back, just so people are aware. But I, I just think that Otten... He has a little bit of drop issues too sometimes, but I I feel like he's just going to continue his good streak. Yeah, I could see that. And we've talked we talked beforehand, and we've we've hinted at this throughout talking. Is there's a not, it's another good tight end week. So yeah. I I have Laporta at sixty six hundred. Yeah. Okay. There, the Tampa Bay defense is ranked thirty second against the position, right? Mm-hmm. So you look, but you look down the line, and Kittle should have a good matchup, and. 
likely should have a good matchup and Otten should also have a good matchup. So there's a lot of options here at the tight end space. And I, any of those, if, if you're building a lineup, I think is a respectable decision. Now, Kelsey at 7,100, I, the bills have been good against the tight end, according yep. to the data. Mm-hmm. And if the bills are letting Kelsey beat them, then shame on them. Yeah, I agree with that. Right. You have to, again, with the Kansas City's offense has emerged to be Mahomes, Pacheco, Rice, and Kelsey. Not much else. Right. And so it's it's simple to figure out who to key on. And if you know, Kelsey, you know, maybe in that in the middle of the field against a depleted linebacking core for Buffalo is something to consider. But I do think again, I think I think it's expensive relative to value that you can see down with someone like Otten. Who's your flex? I'll let you go first. My flex right now, currently, again, I always have a under construction <laughs> yeah. uh, footnote is, you know, likely to change, right? It's if as news comes out and you kind of look at things, but is right now it's Christian Watson, pretty cheap at 5,800. Probably, not probably, he's cheap because of the injuries. He's yeah. arguably, they have a lot of talent at that position. And they have a lot of guys. It's, you know, with Reed and Wicks and and Dobbs who had the best game of them all last week. But mm-hmm. the Heat, Christian Watson could be the best of them all. So I I think that if they're all if they're gonna have to spread them out and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to play catch up and score points and he's on the field, then he very you know, he easily could could add value here at fifty eight hundred dollars. Do you think they're that talented at the position? Or is it the way Jordan Love has been playing. I go back and forth on that. Um, I think that I think it's I think it's a both. I think it's uh You do. Yeah, I, I, I do. Well, I haven't watched every Packer game. I certainly right. tuned in last week and they're you know, I think he he they, the reason they won last week was more because of him and he played almost perfect. Yeah. But there was he has also has a lot of options and mm-hmm. I think as a group, they're very talented. I don't know that one of those guys is a number one receiver and yeah. you could you can line them up with other, you know, veteran receivers or guy other guys and they'd be just as successful. But as a group, they're very talented. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if next year they look for someone like that. Like someone to bring in to mentor those young receivers and get like a like have someone emerge in that receiver room. I don't like I I agree with you. I think Watson is the most talented and I, but I don't know that he's a wide receiver one. At least not now. Um yeah. so I don't know, it'd be interesting. Do they need one in that system? No, they might not. They might not. This you know, if you think back to successful teams just throughout the Brady years in New England, he didn't yeah he didn't need a number one. I don't, and I don't know if he ever had a group as talented as this one, mm-hmm. but maybe they have a bunch of number twos and they keep them until they have to pay them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my flex, <laughs> it's Jameer Gibbs at 7,300. So for a lot of the reasons that you explained earlier, um, you know, just the volume of touches he could get both, rushing and receiving. I am not as high on Laporta this week as you are just because I am fearful of the injury factor, but that is why I like Gibbs because I think he could get some looks 
that Laporta would get. Not necessarily the same kind of plays, but in that they might go, you know, to some, um, you know, running back screens maybe and, and get Gibbs in space on the outside. I could see them doing that a few times. And Gibbs, of course, has the ability to break a play at any moment. So I like Gibbs at 7,300. I do want to throw out one deep sleeper. Sleeper for for the flex position, or does the it, flex, I guess it or just matter. at forty four hundred dollars? Mm. Richie James for the Chiefs. Okay, talking, let's hear it. Talking about you know who their go to guys are, and that you know who they are, and who's yeah. their, who's their second wide receiver. They don't. You trusting Tony? Like nope. You trusting? <laughs> they try Hardman. Nope. Um, Martez, you know, MVS. Nope. So I, I, this is a guy who I thought coming into the year would be more successful, got hurt. And I just think he has the ability to be a sleeper pick. Deep sleeper, someone if he gets a few targets and plays in the slot and starts cabin rapport with Mahomes, that he could be a difference maker. So just something to throw out there. So now that you've thrown that out there, uh, you piqued my interest. I have to look at his uh props if they're if he's out there he might not be um let's see if he has receiving props he does not let's see if he has touchdown um touchdown scores plus 1000 anytime touchdown score He's the only one at plus 1,000. But, you know, he's behind MVS at 800, Noah Gray at 850, McCole Hardman at 750, Tony at 650, Hilaire at 600. Like, he's probably better than all them, right? I think when healthy and if he had a full season, yes. I just yeah. don't know if they've worked him in enough to yeah. the to the game plan, but it's just something that someone to keep an eye on if you're, if you're building a lineup and you need a filler. You know, I think he's starting to get a little more run. Only two targets yeah. against Miami, but that was that was a, I mean, a different yeah. kind of game. Very with the cold and what have you. So that's good. Okay, defense. I went with the Texans at thirty four hundred. Not so much because I think their defense is great. It's more that I do think this game could potentially be of a lower scoring variety with Baltimore's ability to run the ball and the weather conditions. And I, I think that Houston is going to have to be successful running the ball in order to stay in this game. Again, the potential for fewer possessions if drives are longer, weather, wind, you know, maybe a missed field goal or two. Um, so that was my logic for the Texans at 3,400. I, similar logic, I have the box at 3,500. I, when I look to defenses here, I don't, I don't see a huge disparity in spending another thousand on the top defense to 49ers. Um, you know, unless yeah. you, unless you're like the tendency, like who's going to have more turnovers, you know, is it going to be Jordan love or is it going to be Baker Mayfield? I mean, I'm sorry, Jared Goff. I don't, I, I put them at even, I yep. think if Tampa Bay gets to him and could have a turnover or two, then they'll, they'll easily add value at 3,500. So to recap, my lineup is, Purdy, McCaffrey, James Cook, Debo Samuel, Jamison Williams, 
David Moore, Kate Otten, Jameer Gibbs, and the Texans. I think this is a winning lineup. I think you're going to win money. You think, I, I, think, I think there is a greater than 50% chance that I'll win money on this one. How do you, how are you feeling about your lineup? I may make a change or two, but I, I like it, right? It's Lamar, Gibbs, Justice Hill, Mike Evans, Ayuk, Flowers, Laporta, Christian Watson, and the Bucks D. So I like it. Will I make a change? I don't know. Last week I definitely was make I made three changes after we recorded. This week maybe only one. I may play around with that flex flex position. Yeah. You know, making those three changes got you a victory. So no money, but it got me a victory <laughs> over a uh, over a host. Over a certain podcast host, yeah. Right. Any final thoughts here as we close out our division round preview? No final thoughts. Enjoy the games. Um, like I said, probably the best eight teams that are in the NFL. So it should. It's one of the best weekends for the NFL. Next week is we only zero. It's our last. You know, multi-day. I know game next week we go to the championships and only one day will be sunday so enjoy the two days of the nfl so that'll do it for this episode of in the red zone i want to thank our guest fred dinger 23 craig castriano for joining us for this preview you can follow him on x at fred dinger 23 i am at total sports underscore 247 again please remember to rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast that really helps boost our numbers helps people find the show and helps spread the word about what we're doing here at the network so thanks everybody for listening we will be back next weekend for an afc and nfc championship preview until then enjoy the games this weekend